Well, you ready to get into the word this evening? Psalm 103. Everybody glad you're saved tonight besides me? So glad. The devil is a discourager. He's a, a liar and a defeated foe. And one of the things he's always telling Christians is that you're not doing anything. You know, it's amazing. I, uh, there's been times in my life before that I felt like, well, you're just not doing much. You know? And uh, I talked to somebody that was doing a hundred times more than what I was doing. And they told me the same thing. Just feel like I'm not doing anything. And that's the devil. I said, that's the devil. He's a liar. And we are doing something. I said, we are doing something. How many of you are reading your Bible? You're reading your Bible with us? Yeah, how many read your scriptures this week? Your chapter's good. Uh, We're reading a chapter every day out of the New Testament. If you do that five days a week, every week in a year, you will have read the New Testament through. And we're doing it together, and it's a unifying thing. We finished up uh, today, at least I did. Some of you may not have read yours yet, but it was chapter 12, is that right? In John. And so if you want to start with us, you can just begin on uh, Monday reading John 13. And then Tuesday read John 14. And somebody said, what if I just want to go ahead and read the rest of the book? Don't. Some said, don't. Yeah, don't. Don't. Go read something else if you want to. But uh, read it when you're fresh. Don't read it when you wore out right before you go to bed at night and you're barely able to keep one eye awake. I mean, if you have to one day, okay. But if you can, read it when you're fresh. Amen. And don't speed read it. Don't scan it. Take your time. Read it carefully. If you want to, read it in a different translation again after you read that chapter. Read it in another translation or something. And uh, look to see Jesus And look to get fed out of it and believe to see things. Your spirit's being fed. I just get excited sometimes thinking about it because I know people in the church are growing. Amen. Amen. I know your faith is being fed. People are growing. And uh, uh, we were praying here the other night. And I'm praying and got in the spirit some and got to seeing some things. And I'm telling you, it's just so exciting about what God has in store for us. He has a really, really good plan. Amen. And you know, the challenge is not him doing it. The challenge is him getting us to where we can believe it. Hmm? That's the deal. Getting us to where we can uh, receive the vision and have the faith to embrace it, to believe he can do it. Amen. Amen? And believe he will. Expect him to. And he's getting us there. We're on our way. This Bible reading's part of it. Well, I believe this is number 16. In our series in talking about the works and the ways of Jesus. Did I ask you to turn to Psalm 103? 103 verse 7. This has been our text for all these services. Psalm 103 7 says, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Talking about the Lord, God. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The series is called The Works and the Ways of Jesus. 
Though the Israelites, that first generation that he brought out of Egyptian bondage, though they saw all the miracles, they saw the Red Sea split, they saw water come out of the rock, they saw the pillar of fire hanging there in the nighttime and cloud by day and fresh quail flown in without an airplane. They saw all kind of amazing things and yet they never understood him. They never knew his ways. They just saw his acts. But now Moses, on the other hand, understood not just what God did, but his ways. How many have a desire to know the ways of God? Do you know anybody's ways? Do you have somebody that you're close to that you spend a lot of time around and you know something about their ways? How many believe that God is a knowable person and you can learn and know his ways? And after a while, they're just, I mean, it'll change your praying. It'll change your living because you know him better. I know as a little boy, when I was just 10, 11, and 12 years old, sometimes my little friends would say, well, you know, come do this. And I said, well, I can't. They said, well, go ask your mom and daddy. And I said, ain't no use. <laughs> Why would I say that? Because I know them well enough to know that they're not going to let me do that. That they're not going to say that's okay. No need me asking. And there's some things in prayer. So you'll get to the point where you know don't pray that. Or you don't have to ask is it his will for this. You know it is. And, and no need him saying that because you know that's not right. And you just you learn more of his ways. Well Jesus is the express image of the Father God. And everything you see him saying and doing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is God revealed to us, isn't it? How he handled things, how he responds, what he does in all these situations is God's ways revealed to men. God manifested in the flesh. God revealed to mankind forever. So that's what we've been doing in these weeks. We've been reading our scriptures Monday through Friday, our chapters, and all this is about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is all about Jesus. Now John, I don't know if you know it or not, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptics. And uh, that just simply means they're similar. You'll find Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. Uh, they have a lot of the same content. I looked at the percentage one time. I forget all the numbers. But they're high percentage of content that's in one you find in the other. But now John is called uh, by scholars is called the different gospel. Because it is very different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the reason I'm saying this is because I want you to go to the 20th chapter of John. And see, in the book itself is given the reason why this book was written. And what we're supposed to get out of it. John, you know, well let me ask you a question. Did you know where to look for the answers to Bible questions? In the Bible is exactly right. Now you think everybody would know that. But a lot of folk are confused about this. If you got a question about the Bible, where should you look? Look in the Bible. And uh, let me just give you an example. What are you supposed to get out of the book of Job? 
Does anybody know? Well, that's a Bible question. Is there an answer for that? Well, just just hold your place. Go to James. I brought it up, so. James and verse 10 of chapter 5. James 5, 10 says, Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them what? Do most folk read Job and get happy? Mm-mm. We count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and you have seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. What are you supposed to get out of, out of Job? Job was patient. Now that means something different than what some folk think. The, uh, maybe a better word is perseverant. That's what, if you look up the word, it means you don't quit. You stay in there. Did Job hang in there? He did. And he said some things that wasn't right. You have to look at the whole deal. But he hung in there. He stayed in there. And the Lord was what? Merciful. Is that what you're supposed to get? When you read Job, you go, man, I got to hang in there like Job. And I'll be happy. And God is merciful. Is that what most folk have gotten out of Job? Absolutely not. All they read was 42 chapters of pain and strain and woe is me. And I guess it just ain't God's will to heal me. And people give unscriptural terminology like poor is Job's turkey. You ever heard something like that? I have poor as Job's turkey. Well, if Job had a turkey, it would not be a poor one because he was the richest man in the whole country. Wasn't he? If you figure up his wealth by today's standard, he was a multi-billionaire. Somebody said, yeah, but you know, he lost it. Historians that have looked these things up tell us that in all probability, Job's entire struggles lasted about a year and a half. Maybe. Job had a bad year. (laughs) He had a rough year. But it's amazing people can read all that and miss the punchline. I said and miss the punchline. Did you ever read the last chapter? After Job's bad year, what happened? The Bible said the Lord turned Job's captivity and he gave him twice. Twice. Well, he's already a multi-billionaire. Gave him. You go figure it up. Don't take my word for it. Go figure it up. Gave him twice what he had. Job got healed, Job got delivered, Job got rich. (laughs) Job was perseverant and the Lord was merciful. But is that what most of the church world has gotten out of Job? Absolutely not. It's amazing how the devil can help confuse people. Go to John now. I didn't intend to say any of that, but I did and I'm not taking it back. It's all good. I gave you scripture. John 20, are you there? This is the purpose for the book of John. Why do we have this book? Why did God move on John to pen this? John 20 and verse 30. 
He said many other signs. This is next to the end of the book. Just 21 is the end. He said many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. You understand we don't have everything recorded that Jesus said and did. In fact, he went on to say later, he said he supposed that if everything that Jesus said and did was written, not even the world itself could contain the books that should be written. So he said a lot of things that we had have no record of. But these things we do have a record of were handpicked by the Holy Spirit. Why? Verse 31. But these are written. Why? That you might believe. Here it is. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Without a question, one of the, I think I could safely say, the most important thing you'll ever do in your life is believe. Because if you don't believe on Jesus... There is no rest. And you know, sometimes people find fault with folk like me and others that talk so much about faith and believe in God. But friend, the Bible talks so much about faith and believe in God. I mean, by very uh, definition, what are we as Christians? Believers. What people would label as our religion is called the faith. I mean, it's just inescapable if you're going to get serious about God, faith is going to come up. And no matter what you're going to be talking about, I don't care if it's protection, faith comes up. If it's provision, faith comes up. If it's healing, faith comes up. Prayer, faith comes up. No matter what it is. I understand you can't do anything right unless you do it in faith. No, I mean, doctors tell us. There are extensive studies now. Physicians tell us their medications won't help you like they're supposed to unless you believe they will. <laughs> they have some amazing studies that show that a salt tablet will do just as good as the real thing if you believe it will. And they're still scratching their heads trying to figure this out. What Jesus said centuries ago, your faith will make you whole. Amen. If you believe it'll help you. Enough, it will. Amen. And it's your faith that's doing it. And the list goes on and on and on. But at the top of the list of things that we are to believe, we are to believe in Him. Now when I say in Him, I mean that distinct from every other thing. In Him as a person. That's the title of my message this evening. Faith In him. Now go back with me if you would to chapters that we've read not long ago in John. John chapter 6. John 6. How many believe you can get good things just while you hear the word? You can get healed while you hear the word. We believe in prayer. We believe in laying on of hands. We believe in corporate prayer, prayer of agreement, anointing of oil, all these things. But at the same time, I've seen many, many people helped and nobody touched them. Nobody laid a hand on them. Nobody prayed for them. I used to teach in a Bible school. And uh, one of the courses that I was assigned was uh, Christ the Healer on healing. We would teach on eight weeks on that subject. 
And during that summer, while I was preparing that, the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but in my heart, very distinctly, he said, while you teach this, people will be healed. Because the scripture said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Well, I didn't say a thing about it. I didn't want it to be anything in anybody's mind. I just wanted to prove it out and see the results. So I didn't say anything about what he told me. And I just got up and taught. I mean, there was no fanfare, no fast piano music, nothing. I mean, the bell rang, I taught for 50 minutes, and we'd leave. Next day, bell rang, I'd teach for 50 At the end of the first one, had 70-something people healed. I just asked them at the end of the eight weeks, I said, has anybody been healed in here since we began? 70-something, I mean, everything from stomach ulcers to cancer to diabetes. 70-something. And I began to ask them, you know, I said, well, you know, write it down and tell me what helped you. And it was just while they were hearing the word, something went off inside them. And their faith rose up. Amen. And the reason I say that is because you can receive some things tonight. Just as the word goes out. In John, the 6th chapter and the 28th verse. John 6, 28, then said they to him, to Jesus, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Now that's an interesting question. It's something every Christian entity ought to ask themselves because a lot of folk are thinking, well, we're doing the works of God. Here Jesus answers the question, how do you do the works of God? Jesus answered, he said to them, this is the work of God. What is it? That you believe. On Him. Believe on what? On Him. Whom He has sent. Believe on Him. Believe in Him. Now when we say believe on Him. Believe in Him. People say well I believe in the Bible. Well. I do too. I have greatest respect for the Bible. I mean, there's one thing I don't want you messing with, and that's my Bible. Very particular about that. <laughs> Everybody knows that. To me, it is a treasure. Amen? And I don't think sometimes people in our, our generation realize how many people died so you and I could have this in our hands. First and foremost, the Lord Jesus, but do you understand how many ministers, how many men and women died so you and I could have a copy of the Word in the common language? Study history a little bit and you realize how many people got burned at the stake, how many people got stoned just so we could have a Bible. It is a privilege. And anytime somebody talks, you know, uh, disrespect, when I say disrespect, it's just lack of respect. Uh, just not giving enough, then uh, it's inappropriate. It's not all right with me. But it's not just because my faith is in ink and paper. And I don't just focus on just the words. I serve the words. I have faith in the word. No, I have faith in the one who said the words. Amen. The reason this means so much to me is because he said it. Amen. My faith is not just in a book. My faith is not in an institution. People talk about faith in the church. And they're talking about an organization on the earth. No. 
My faith is in the head of the church. Amen. The one who's seated right now at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says there's just one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Isn't it wonderful under this new covenant, you don't have to go through anybody to get to God. Go straight to him yourself. Amen. What a privilege that is. Oh, what a wonderful privilege that is. But our faith is in him. But you can only have faith in him to the degree that you know him. And that right there is an answer. Why is there such a lack of faith? Why are so many so weak in faith? That's it right there. You can't trust me any further than you know me. A total stranger comes up. You never saw them before. You don't know them. They might look okay, but you've never seen them. You don't met them. And they say, well, you know, let me take your kids and, and I'll take them over here and do this. And, and let me handle your money. Can you trust them? You're ignorant if you do. We are to trust God without question. People are another deal. I said, people are another deal. We are to love everybody. That doesn't mean you can trust everybody. I don't care how many Christian stickers they got on their car. Or how many scriptures they quote. And whether it's somebody close to you or somebody you just met, your faith in them is in direct correlation to how much you know them. You just think about it right now. The people you trust the most are people that what? You know them. You've seen them. You've seen them under fire. You've seen them under duress. You've seen them in good times and bad. They've kept the word to you. If they did make a mistake, they made it right. And over a period of time, you know them and you trust them. The Lord is exactly the same way. Through walking with him day in and day out, trusting him and watching him come through, praying and seeing him answer your prayer, standing on his word and watching him do what he said he would do. Day in, day out, month after month, year after year, you know him more and you trust him more. I know some of the things that Phyllis and I used to sweat about in ministry, we don't sweat about so much anymore. Now, there's still some things that could make us sweat. (laughs) But it's just because we still need to get to know him some more. But some of the things that used to just bother us and we think, oh man, what are we going to do about that? We've seen him come through so many times in these areas until we just say, hey, you know, he's done it before. He's not going to let us down. It's going to be okay. And you rest because you trust because you know. Are you with me so far? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it's not just a mechanical hearing. Just the sound of the word bouncing off your eardrums does not give you faith. If it did, then we could just, you know, force people to hear the word and they'd just have all kind of faith. Doesn't work like that. As you hear, if you respect what you hear, God is revealed to you through what you're hearing. His will, his ways, and you get to know him through his word first and foremost. That's one reason why we're reading these chapters. We're getting to know him. How many would say that you know him a little bit better? Or maybe more than that since you're reading these scriptures just in these months. It's supposed to be that way. 
And it's supposed to be that way again next year. More so. And the next, more so. Amen. Amen. Knowing him better and better. Now he said, this is the work of God. That you what? Verse 29. Look at it with me again. This is the work of God. That you believe what? Believe on him or believe in him. Him. Believe in him as a person. Trust him as a person. Now skip on down. To verse 48, Jesus began teaching them, immediately after he said this, he began teaching them about the bread of life. And it was a rough day for the ministry. (laughs) If you were reading our chapters with us, anybody remember reading this? What happens before this chapter is over? He loses a big part of his support. He loses a bunch of his crowd. They quit him. And I mean, I don't mean they just went home. I mean, they didn't come back next week. Because he began teaching them in verse 48. He said, I'm the bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness. They're dead. This bread, which comes down from heaven, a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread, verse 51, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves. And they said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They found that offensive. And they found it ridiculous. Jesus is not the last preacher that was misunderstood. I tell you what's interesting to me is that he didn't immediately begin backpedaling and try to explain it to him. Did he? He said, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Uh, no, no, I'm not talking about cannibalism. No, 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 don't get upset. He didn't do that. Did he? He made it worse. <laughs> Read, didn't he? Verse 53, Jesus said to him, Verily, verily, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh, and the word there is continuous tense, it means eats and keeps on eating. My flesh and whoever drinks and keep on drinking my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him up at the last day. Can you understand? They're all out there shaking their heads going, ooh, how are we going to eat your flesh? He's talking about cannibalism and vampirism. They said he was off. Man, drinking blood and eating flesh? His flesh. This is ridiculous. I can't handle this. That's it. I can't take this. I can't go along with this. He just went on. My flesh is meat indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. And he that eateth and keeps on eating my flesh and drinks and keeps on drinking my blood, he's dwelling in me and I'm dwelling in him. And as the Father, living Father, has sent me, I live by the Father. So he that eats me, even he shall live by me. This this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread will live forever. 
These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many. Everybody say many. many. Not a few. Many. Therefore of his disciples. Of who? These were people who had come to him and said, oh man, this is God. This is God. See the healing, see the miracles. What messages? This is God. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. They hooked up. They said, we're with you. We're with you. They went to meetings. They supported his ministry. They helped him. They had the huge outdoor crusades and all these other things. And many of them, they're not just passerbys, many of his disciples, people who had said, I'm your follower, many of them, did what? When they heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear this? When Jesus knew it in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, does this offend you? (laughs) Now, let me just stop here again. He didn't play politics. He didn't get alarmed and go, "Uh uh-oh. Man, we're losing the crowd. Ooh, these, I sense inside me that two-thirds of the crowd's ready to leave me for good. We better do a little, uh, a little what? Damage control is exactly right. We better, I better explain this to them. Better explain what I'm talking about. I'm asking you a question now. Why didn't he explain it? I'm going to give you the answer here in just a minute if you don't already know. Why didn't he? Somebody said, well, he's Jesus. He didn't have to. No, that's not okay. He's our example. He's showing us how to do it. If it's right for him to do it, this is the way we're supposed to do it. It's the truth. He went on to say, when they murmured, he said, what if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Now, you know they understood that. About as much as what he just got through saying. Didn't he? That's what I'm saying. From one standpoint, it seemed like he's making it worse. He's like, he says something else that they're not hooking up with. What do you mean? It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. See, natural people can only hear naturally. That's why when he's talking about this, their eyes weren't open to seeing anything except he says flesh, they think piece of meat. Blood, they think blood. That's, they can't see anything else. No spiritual application. Natural people can only think and see natural. Spiritual people see and hear spiritually. And he said, verse 64, the words I speak, the words. How many understand that his the word was made flesh? Amen. Amen. How many believe we can eat of the flesh? We can eat of the word. Every day of our lives. Do we need to? Yes, we can. And the life is in the blood. Do we need his life? Can we partake and drink of his life? Every day. Absolutely. But here's the thing. Faith does not require understanding. Understanding is not a prerequisite for faith. I'm going to say that slowly. Well, let me read this and then I'll say it slowly. Verse 64. He said this. He said, but there are some of you 
that believe not. What was the problem? Being confused over a doctrine, was that the problem? No, it was not. What was the problem? They didn't believe what? In him. The person. He said, there's some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. I want to say this and I want you to think about it because, man, this covers a lot of ground. They didn't just quit him that day. They never were really with him. Did you see that? They never really believed in him. They were caught up in the excitement of the new thing, the hottest ministry in town, the miracles, the biggest crusades, the excitement. But when it came to something that they didn't understand, and now it's just time to believe, it wasn't there. The believing wasn't there. Do you have to understand to believe? I've heard people say. I've heard people say about me. I've heard people say about other ministers and other ministries. Well, I I just don't understand that. And if I can't understand that, I don't go along. Well, then there's not faith in the person. I'm not just talking about blindly following somebody off a cliff. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about believing in someone though you don't understand. And most especially believing in the Lord. Because he'll tell you things that you don't understand. Hmm? And he'll do it on purpose. And he won't explain it. <laughs> it's not like he can't explain it. Hmm? I said, why doesn't he explain it? He doesn't want to. He wants to see faith out of you and me. Doesn't he? He wants us to be able to stand up and go, well, I... Whew, that don't sound right to me. I don't understand that. But if you say it, hmm? here we go. If you say it, then it must be okay. And I just believe I'll see it more by and by. Amen. But I'm not leaving you over that. You see churches split over doctrinal differences. Not so. I said it ain't so. It's because somebody doesn't believe in somebody. It all comes down to believing in people. We believe, number one, in the Lord. And then secondarily, we believe in people. And something that I am after with a passion for this church is that we will be a family. And we will love each other. And we will believe in each other. And not just be words. Are you with me? Will anybody hook up with me on this? Now you don't have to like everything a person says or does to believe in them. You don't have to agree with everything they say or do to believe in them. But to have some difference about something and some dispute about some teaching or doctrine and then they're just written off. That ain't right. Either you never did believe in them. Or you've really been deceived. Do you understand? What should these folk have done with Jesus? Hmm? 
What should they have done? They should have thought, well, whew, blood and flesh and, boy, I don't know what he's talking about. But, but, look, keep reading it and you'll see that that's what happened with a few. Verse 64, he said, there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I to you that no man can come to me except it were given to him of my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Uh, That went back's interesting phrase. It literally means they went to the things behind them. They went back. To their old ways and their old stuff, they regressed. They lost the spiritual progress they had made. Does it make any difference who you hook up with? Who you believe in? Who you follow? Oh, man. Keep reading. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That means they quit him. That was it. They didn't come to another meeting. Then Jesus said to the twelve. Now come on now. Y'all can't leave me. Huh? Y'all come over here and I'll explain this to you. But y'all, y'all don't. Hmm? <laughs> Takes confidence to live like Jesus. Doesn't it? You got to be secure. In yourself and in God. Amen. He looked at him. He said. Y'all leaving too? <laughs> Didn't he? It must have been a mass exodus. Mustn't it? I mean. It must, that place must have cleared out. <laughs> it must have been terrible. I think sometimes we don't think about these. We just think. Well hey. Jesus is Jesus. And man. He had huge crowds. He had whole crowds walk out on him. Big crowds that never came back. And he looked at his staff and said, y'all going? And verse 68, (laughs) I don't know why I'm preaching all this. I hope we don't have to (laughs) experience all this the next week. (laughs) He said, will you also go away? Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, uh, to whom shall we go? (laughs) Maybe it crossed their minds. I don't know, but they couldn't think of anywhere to go. (laughs) They didn't understand this either, did they? They didn't understand this eating his flesh and drinking his blood. They didn't understand that. But I like this. He said, you have the words of eternal life. What did he say in saying that? I believe in you. Didn't he? I don't understand what you just said. (laughs) But I believe in you. I believe in you. Are you getting this in your spirit this evening, friend? I believe in you. As a person. And as the gift of God. He said you have the words of eternal life. And we believe and we are sure. I tell you, Peter messed up at some points, but he's on a roll today, brother. (laughs) He he is doing good this afternoon. 
Amen. Whole masses of folk walk out and he looks at them. And, uh, you know, I don't hear anybody else saying anything. Of the twelve. But Peter pipes up and says, uh, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life, Master. And we believe and we are sure that you are the Christ, the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. What's he saying? I believe in you. I believe in you. I'm staying with you. Hmm? You'll teach us about this later, I guess. You, you'll help us to understand about all this blood and flesh stuff. But, but I believe in you. I believe in you. How many believe that every child ought to have the privilege of growing up with two parents that believe in that child? Amen. Or if it's just one or whatever, but if it's a grandma or whoever it is, it's somebody that believes in that child. Amen. Amen. Doesn't mean that you can say everything the child does is right. Doesn't mean that you can commend them and brag on them for everything, but that you believe in them as a person. You believe in them as a gift of God, as a child of God. Amen. And that no matter what they're in, you believe they can come out. You believe they can overcome. You believe they can win. You believe they can receive. You know, in my few years of walking with God and being in the ministry, there's a few people that I could name just like this, that I will be forever thankful and grateful to them because they have, and to this day, believe in me. They believed in me when I didn't much believe in me. They saw things in me I didn't see in me. And they called for them to come out, and they said, you know, well, you have this in you. You need to practice that. You need to yield to that. You need to develop that. I'm thinking, yeah, in me? They're seeing things I didn't see. I'm telling you, one of the greatest gifts you could ever give somebody is faith in them. And the greatest damage you can do to somebody is to not give it. To not believe in them when they thought you did. Or to stop. Did you hear me? People that should know you. That have seen you in operation for year after year. And then not believe in you. That's some of the worst hurt. You can do to somebody. Don't quit believing. Don't quit believing in God as the person of God. And don't quit believing in each other. It's a charge. It's a mandate for the church. Are you with me? We're going to believe in each other. We're going to love each other. Amen? I didn't say we're going to try to do it. I didn't say we might do it. I said we're going to do it. I said we're going to do it. We're, we're doing it and we're going to do it. And we're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger because we have kids here. Spirit, some of them are 50 years old, but they're spiritual babies that just got saved recently. You understand what I'm saying? They need somebody that loves them. They need somebody that believes in them. And I don't care how old you are in the Lord. You always need somebody to believe in you. And somebody that cares about you. You can't have too much encouragement. There is no such thing as an over-encouraged person. <laughs> have you ever been to the point where you thought, please, no more. Don't, don't, don't give me any more encouragement. That, that's all I want. Make up your mind, I am an encourager of the brethren. 
Amen. Now, uh, go with me, if you would, to the 11th chapter. How much time you got this evening? You want me to speed this up? or? Well, if you got more time. <laughs> if you got a little extra time, just go to Exodus first. <laughs> Exodus 24. Now, I won't try to cover all the ground between Exodus and John. <laughs> but this is something that'll, that goes right along with this. Everybody say faith, faith. In, him. in Him. See, faith in Him. Exodus and the 24th chapter. Exodus 24. This starts out in about verse 16, verse 15. Moses went up on the mount and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now that's interesting. I mean, you read some of these things. People are in such a rush nowadays. Moses just hung out there for six days. And the Lord spoke to him on the seventh. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire. On the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights caught up in the glory. And for chapter 25 and 26 and 27 and 28 and 29 and all the way think to about 32 or so. He is getting the very blueprint out of heaven. For what God wanted to do in the earth at that moment. And it was part of it was at the people's request that he go. Do you remember that? They heard God speaking out of the fire. And when he got through speaking, they said, please, please, you go. You go and talk to him. If we hear that again, we're afraid we're going to die. And the Lord did call him and say, well, that's fine. You come up here. And he did. But he was gone longer than they thought he would be gone. How long is 40 days? It's over a month. A month and a couple of weeks or something like that. And uh, chapter 32. Chapter 32 and verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount. The people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, and they said to him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us, for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. Now he was the man a month and a half ago, wasn't he? I mean, he was the man. You understand? Everybody, Moses was the man. The spiritual leader of the nation. I mean, the nations were talking about it. How God used this man to bring a whole nation out of bondage and all the miracles. And in just less than a month and a half. I said, less than a month and a half. They said, this Moses guy, we don't know what's up with him. 
I mean, he goes off into the mountain and uh, who knows what he's doing. <laughs> Let's get a plan. <laughs> Have people changed? No. In centuries. No. <laughs> but isn't this something? Now here is a man who took his life in his hands every time he went in the royal court. From the natural He could have been dead every time he walked in there, but he went in there and he spoke the words of God and he put himself on the line again and again and again. And he's up there in the glory hearing from God for them. And they say, this guy, we don't know what's happening in just a month and a half, less than a month and a half. What was the problem here? Doctrinal differences. No, what was the deal? They didn't believe in him. They didn't have faith. They didn't have faith in God and they didn't have faith in God's man. Did they? Go with me back to the 11th chapter of John and I'm commencing to get ready to start to close. (laughs) Fixing. Anybody know what fixing means? I'm fixing to. Y'all understand fixing here, Missouri, don't you? Fixing. That means commencing to get ready to start. <laughs> Chapter 11. Said out loud, faith, faith. in him. Amen. In Chapter 11, some of Jesus' very good friends were Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. We just read this, right? And uh, apparently Martha was a real good cook. <laughs> and uh, Jesus go by there a lot of times. Eat her dumplings and cobbler, cornbread and everything else. And he, they were big buds. He stayed in their house and they had a lot of fellowship. And they sent word, you remember, that Lazarus was really, really sick. And would he please, please come, come quick. Because he was. He was near death. And Jesus just hung around the office. <laughs> For another how long? When you're led by the Spirit, you're not led by needs or by emotions or by family. Did you hear me? I've had people sometimes try to tell me, you know, what hour to preach at the church or or what I ought to do, or how to do this. And, and sometimes they look shocked when I said, look, I don't do what Phyllis wants me to do. I don't do what my mother or daddy or closest friends want me to do. I don't do what I want to do. So why would I do what you want to do? <laughs> you understand? We're supposed to be hearing from God. We're supposed to be being led. I didn't say we did it always perfectly, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so he hung around the office there for days. And then he said, well, let's go on over there. And uh, he had told them that he was asleep. And they said, well, that's good if he's sleeping. And finally, verse 14, he had to speak to them plainly. He said, no, he's dead. (laughs) Now look at verse 15, though. He said, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent that what? Huh? See what all this is about? What is all this about? 
every day, how we're dealing with things and what's going on. We're supposed to be growing in faith in Him, the person of Him. Amen? All these things that you may believe. I remember the first time I preached, taught, whatever. I was no preacher, man. I didn't have any sermons. I worked and worked and worked. And I thought, dear me, I'll say this in five minutes and then what will I do? And then... And um, I worked on it for weeks and got up and it didn't take me very long, if you can believe that, didn't take me very long (laughs) to get through. And uh, the Lord had helped me, given it to me weeks in advance. But as the months went by and the years went by, I'd get less and less notice. A lot of times not know till a couple of days before, sometimes not know till the night before. And it just kept going that way. And I was on a plane one time going somewhere, and I'd prayed about it the night before. Couldn't get it, what I'm supposed to preach. I'm speaking in just a few hours. I didn't have it. I'm on the airplane. We land in just a little bit. I go to the church. I put the mic on speak in a couple of hours. I, don't, I hadn't got it. Somebody, what do you mean you don't have it? Well, I don't care how much you've studied. Unless the Lord gives it to you, you don't have it. And I'm feeling a little bit uneasy and I thought, Lord, okay, you know, any time would be good. <laughs> and he spoke to my heart. I don't mean to hurt a voice, but he said, you trust me? I said, yes, sir. He said, just relax then. I said, okay. So I tried to lean back and act cool. <laughs> Got me a ginger ale like, hey, it ain't no deal, you know. But that is the question, isn't it? Do you trust me? Got all the way to the church. Got in the speaker's room big crowd out, huge crowd out there, putting the microphone on. They're introducing me. I ain't got it. <laughs> What's the question? You tell me what the issue is. Do I believe in it? Am I trusted? Is it going to be okay? I walked up to the pulpit and word of knowledge began to operate. Word of wisdom, gifts of healings. We just had things happen all that night like that. I never preached, didn't need a sermon. But I didn't know that. Why did he tell me I didn't need a sermon? (laughs) Anybody know why he didn't tell me? He didn't want to. Because what's the issue? The issue ain't, you know, me knowing what I need to know and me understanding what I need. The issue is, do I trust him? Do I believe in him? Hmm? He's come through for me thousands of times. Why would I think he's not this time? Why would I doubt him this time? And that's why everything is supposed to be going towards that. More and more trust. 21. Are you there in John 11? 21. All this had happened and he got there and Martha came out to him and she said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. She's upset. Her brother's dead. And that's her soul talking. She said, if you'd have been here, but now get verse 22. Get this. Get this. What'd she say? But I know that even now, this is why this story's in the book. Even now, whatever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. Tear stained eyes, been grieving, brothers over there dead and cold. And she said, if you'd have been here, I just know you could have ministered to him. He'd have been healed. But, but I believe even right now. Even right now, she wouldn't go ahead and say you'd raise him from the dead. But she said, I believe that anything you would ask. What is this? Faith. 
I said faith. Faith in him. Jesus said your brother is going to rise again. Martha said well I, I know he'll rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me though he were dead yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What's the next question? Do you believe this? Huh? Said, oh, are you getting this, friends? See, people want to fast forward to Lazarus coming out of the tomb. That would have never happened if this hadn't happened. This is why he came out of the tomb. Other folk just crying. and just, I mean, she could have been bitter. She could have said, Jesus, you, you could have ministered healing to him like you did. Other. Why didn't you come? You had days to get here. Why did? She didn't do that. She didn't do that. Even when you don't understand, now it's time for faith. That's right. Through her tears, through her grieving, she looked at him. She said, but even right now, anything you ask, I just believe God will do it for you. He said, your brother's going to rise again. She said, I know he will one of these days. He said, I am the resurrection. If you believe on me, you'll live and not die. You believe this? What'd she say? What'd she say? What'd she say? Verse 27. She said, yes, Lord. Yes, I do. Then she got like Peter. She began to preach. She said, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe you are the anointed one. You are the son of God that was supposed to come into the world. I believe you are. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's why. The top of the page says the raising of Lazarus. Glory to God. <laughs> Turn to Second uh, Timothy. And that is the scripture I have under the word conclusion. Second <laughs> Timothy. And the first chapter. Said out loud, I believe. I believe. In him. Second Timothy in chapter one. Second Timothy one twelve. The apostle Paul went through some stuff, didn't he? He had time to sit in some cold, stinking jail cells and think about a lot of stuff. Month after month that gets old. He was stoned, he was beat, he was run out of town. He was shipwrecked repeatedly. I mean, he had some challenges. Verse 12, though, he says, verse 12, 2 Timothy 1, 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Why? I am not ashamed. For I know what? I know the doctrine my school teaches. Huh? I know the precepts that my religion and my faith has outlined are tenets of faith. I can quote them to you. I've memorized them. I know my verses. Hmm? No, no. What? I know in whom. I know whom I have believed. And what? Keep reading. Do you like this as much as I do? I know 
I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. I'm persuaded what? That he is able to keep everything I've committed to him against that day. What if you commit and turn over your finances to him? What if you commit and turn over your family to? What if you commit and turn over your business to? What if you commit and turn over your church and your ministry? Commit and turn over your body, your health, your mental stability. Huh? Then you can breathe a sigh of relief and go, that's going to be all right. That's going to be taken care of. Why? Because you can quote all the right verses. Well, I know them, but it's because I know the one who said these verses. I am persuaded that he is able and he's faithful to keep what I've turned over to him. I know whom. I know him. And I believe in him. My faith is in him. Not just in an organization. Not just in a building. Not just in a group. My faith is in him. Glory to God. The living Bible says, I know the one in whom I trust and I am sure that he's able to safely guard all that I've given him until the day of his return. Praise God. Stand on your feet. Why don't you this evening? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands and let's thank him because he is so faithful. And because our faith is in not something dead and not something ritualistic, my faith is in the living Christ, the living Son of the living God. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.